0: That song um, was uh, written, I should say written, uh, by a, a lady in Nigeria who's a worship leader. Her husband's a pastor of a large Nigerian church. Her name is, she just goes by the name Sanach. Her name is Sanach Joseph. And uh, one evening or one morning during a, during a time of worship, in a moment that we just, very similar to what we just experienced, she just started saying and singing in Nigerian Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, my God, that is who you are. And uh, if you YouTube or Google, you can go to YouTube, her name, Sinach. Um, you can hear her singing it in an in a English, Nigerian dialect, and you probably won't ever be able to hear the song again in the same way. But what a beautiful song, and, and it is played over and over in my truck and in our home since our worship team introduced it to me a few weeks ago, actually last month, and just so powerful because it's true, because our God is a way maker. Um, When you feel like every door has been shut, or you can't see how something is going to happen in front of you, when things feel hopeless, they feel helpless, you just need to know that God promises to make a way. He will make a way. And this past week, I was remember, reminded of, of what Moses wrote in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. It says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he, has he ever promised and not carried it through? And then in Philippians, Paul, he, Paul's writing this from a, a jail cell in Rome. And he says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have... Been given to us in Christ Jesus. And I can't tell you how many times in the past, uh, nearly 20, 27 years of marriage, it'll be 27 years in a couple of weeks where Amy and I, we have just, we just come before the Lord in prayer and said, God, this situation right here is hopeless or this situation right here just seems helpless. We are, we are desperate. We are facing humanly impossible odds the odds are stacked against this situation so so we cast this situation on your shoulders lord there's there's nowhere else to go we don't have any human reasoning that makes sense to us and we're asking you as a loving father to make a way where there doesn't seem to be one and i'm going to tell you for 27 years of our marriage and she and i individually he has been faithful he is truly a way maker and he will make a way through providing a miracle He'll make a way through keeping a promise or he'll just shine light into the darkness of your situation. And over the next few weeks, um, our Christmas series leading into Christmas Eve, we're going to be talking about these different aspects of God's character and and his ability. He's a a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He is the one that shines light into our darkness. We're going to be talking about his ability to be a way maker. And I want to say this to you. You know people that are in your life right now, whether they're family members that live in this area or they're, 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 they're family members who are friends that live in your neighborhood or, or people that, that your kids play ball with or they, they have, they're in dance class with or whatever, they need to be in this service. They need to be with you. I want to ask you to bring them, bring them to Christmas Eve, bring them to one of the next few weeks because they desperately, they need a miracle. They need to know that God's a promise keeper. They need some some light that has been shown into the darkness of their situation. They need to be here. And I wanna just, I wanna encourage you to be bold and to just bring them with you. Well, this morning I wanna introduce our Father, God, as a miracle worker. And uh, I'm so grateful that people are watching from all over the world. I was reminded this past week, we have a young man watches from Chicago every single Sunday. And so we're so glad we have people that are watching from all over the place. You know, when we talk about God being a miracle worker, there are a lot of skeptics in the world today, even within the Christian community that that would say that the miracles of the Bible just either never actually took place or they're not for today. I actually grew up in a faith tradition where um, what was taught was that once the Bible was finished that all of those things ceased. But I'm going to tell you, just from studying the Bible once again and keep going back to it, that's just not true. And from my own experiences, I've watched God with my own eyes do things that cannot be explained in human realms. God is a miracle worker, and those miracles still happen today, just like they did in the Word. Thomas Jefferson, our third president, he believed that God created the universe. In fact, when he worked on the Declaration of Independence, he included a statement that our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness Does't come from men, but an Almighty Creator? And even though Jefferson believed in God, he was skeptical that the miracles that are talked in the Bible, talked about in the Bible, that he's skeptical that they actually ever took place. And so he took scissors and he went through the entire Bible and he cut out all of the verses that dealt with miracles, and then he took what was left and he published it under the name the Jefferson Bible: a Bible without Miracles. And he's not the first person that has questioned whether the miracles in the Bible ever took place or whether God still does them. And so the question this morning is this. Is God still in the miracle business? Can can blind eyes that have never seen miraculously still be open? Can God still take just a small amount of food and and still multiply that food to, to feed thousands? Can people still be miraculously healed when Everything else says that there's just no way. Does God still intervene into human affairs in an extraordinary way? And based on what I read in scripture and what I've seen with my own two eyes and what I've experienced, God, I wanna tell you that God is still in the business of doing miracles. I want you to know that today. I believe that with all of my heart. He is still a miracle worker. During my high school um, years, when I was going into 10th grade, my family, we moved to Texas and my dad was going into bible college it was a kind of a crazy time in life to do something like that but we we hardly had any money through those that season but i saw firsthand as a high school student when we as a family i literally would run out of money with no way to pay our bills i watched god come through time and time again in ways that didn't even make sense to meet our needs and it just increased my faith like i can't even tell you In in 1983 and then again in 1985, I I was part of helping my parents plant two different churches, one in South Florida and one in Michigan. And I cannot tell you how many times I watched God through that time period show up and do the miraculous when when all seemed to be lost. In 1995, I watched God uh, miraculously move a storm cloud. We... I was Angela Richardson and my wife Amy were on this trip in Kiev, Ukraine and we were getting ready to do a big performance. These high school kids that Angela was part of with these adult leaders and this rain cloud came in out of nowhere and started just dumping buckets and we just went to prayer. We closed our eyes and we we laid hands on the soundboard. We laid hands, we just walked around. We laid hands on and just cried out to God because there were people gathered from all over the place to hear this performance, the gospel. And I've never seen God do what he did. He moved a rain cloud, the sun came out and it was, it was we, we just stood there. It was miraculous. And I don't know how many people came to Christ at that moment, but it was a lot. It increased the faith of these students. In 1997, when we started this church, I watched God miraculously provide for this church. We came to the very end of the year and we literally ran out of money. There, we had no hope. We didn't know if the church could go on. And right at the last hour on the last day of the year, God provided for this church in a way that still blows my mind. It was a complete miracle. 1998, on our very first missions trip to Jamaica, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, I watched God shut the mouth of a demon-possessed donkey. Like, it was unbelievable. I saw a little boy get hit by a truck and drug up a mountain and I watched that little boy get healed right in front of my eyes. It, blood, it was unbelievable on our very first trip to burkina faso africa my first trip paul was probably his second or third trip there was a little girl that was brought to us who had malaria her sister had just died the week before with the same disease there were witch doctor fetishes on both of their ankles the witch doctor had had done his voodoo on the, these two little girls the little girl the older sister died the week previous Paul and I and a few others laid hands on this little girl, and we watched God heal her right in front of our eyes. And the whole village, the village came to Jesus. Since 2015, listen, uh, this church has played a major role, a a bigger role than you know, in watching 70 new life-giving churches be started in the city of Boston, which is one of our our most unreached unreached cities in our entire nation. Before that, there were just a couple of churches like this. And since 2015, God has done this in a miraculous way. And now we're getting a chance to be part of watching Muslims put their faith and trust in Jesus through new church plants all throughout the city of Detroit. We're getting a chance to be part of that. Over 6,000, and this may be the biggest miracle, over 6,000 people have trusted Jesus Christ to be their Savior in one of our services. On Sunday mornings and through our high school ministry, middle school ministry here at Westridge Church on this campus and at East Pauling High School and Vaughn Elementary School since 1997. Over the past few years, I've watched God heal relationships that seem beyond repair. I've watched him heal people of cancer when doctors said it couldn't be done. I've watched him... Provide financially for people when all hope seemed to be lost. I've watched God provide for my family when we said, there's just no way that this can happen. I've watched Him heal both of my boys from back injuries when the doctors looked at both of them and said, it's never going to happen. And I've watched God do it. God is still in the business of doing miracles. I want you to know that, I want you to believe it, because I believe it with everything inside of me. And hopefully by the time that we leave here today, you'll believe it too, because some of you here today, or you're watching, you need a miracle. Or someone in your family needs a miracle. Well, today we're gonna look at one of the 35 plus miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible, if I can make it through this. And um, I say 35 plus because the apostle John tells us at the end of the book of John, that Jesus performed many other miracles that are not recorded in the Bible. But the miracle that I wanna look at today uh, involves a man that the Bible describes as an invalid. He had been paralyzed for 38 years. We don't know the name of his medical condition, but we, we know that he cannot walk, he cannot move from place to place with, without some kind of assistant. And this is a man who, who we, we see is in desperate need of a miracle. And if you have a Bible, let's turn to the book of John chapter five. And John writes this, he says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And one man was there who had been on, been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, And knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your, your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. The Apostle John tells us that, that Jesus is in Jerusalem, and, and he goes by the pool of Bethesda, and Bethesda uh, appropriately means um, house of grace, and lying all around the pool, and imagine this in your mind if you could just around a, like a pool deck area around this big pool, there are people with physical ailments, people that are blind, people that, um, that are crippled, people who are, who are paralyzed, and they're, they're at this pool. Now why you say why are they at this pool what's so special about this pool well look at verse four in your bibles for just a moment Now, some of you just realized you have a big problem verse four is not in your bible you say well where did it go well if you have a uh, english standard version or the new international version or the new living translation it's not in there because of a few of the early greek manuscripts did not include it well that creates a problem doesn't it Because without this verse, we really don't know why all of these people with physical challenges are hanging around this pool, right? However, since a majority of the manuscripts from early days do include the missing piece of scripture, we're going to include it this morning. Because according to verse 4, an angel would come to this pool from time to time and would, would stir up the water. And whoever was able to get into the water first would be miraculously healed of their ailment. And now as Jesus enters the pool area, he intentionally walks over to this one man who has been crippled for 38 years. Now, why is that significant? Well, 2,000 years ago, the average life expectancy of a human being was 35 years old. You say, "Why, why so young? Well, the average is skewed by an infant mortality rate where children did not live past the age of two years old. So if you've made it past your two-year-old birthday, the average would rise up to about 55 years old. So this man was past his prime. This guy probably sat by the pool of Bethesda longer than anyone could remember. And day after day, somehow, he would get to the pool. Chances are his family or or friends would bring him there. And and he would just lay there day after day, waiting, then hoping that, that that would be the day that the angel would show up. And the angel would come and miraculously stir the waters so that he could get healed. But this guy had a problem. He had a bigger problem. Even if the angel did show up and even if the angel did stir the waters, he couldn't get into the water fast enough because everybody would rush into the pool so quickly that they would block any possibility for this man to enter the pool. And here's a guy whose situation is incurable. He is a hopeless case. He's out of options. He's out of referrals. His eyes... Um, In the eyes of the world, he's a a lost cause. He's He's a forgotten man. But I've got good news for you this morning. Jesus specializes in lost causes. Jesus specializes in forgotten people. If you feel marginalized here today, you feel like the world has forgotten you, that life has forgotten you, Jesus specializes in those kind of cases. It's quite possible that Jesus went right to this man because he knew that healing this one man would convince even the greatest skeptics that he was truly the Messiah. Now just for a moment in your mind, picture this if you could, Jesus is walking through a multitude of hurting, forgotten people. They don't even know who he is. But when Jesus approaches this one man, he just asks him a simple question. Here's the question. Do you want to be healed? And the man replies, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When it's when it stirred, even when I start to make my way into the pool, someone steps down before me blocking my way and Jesus says to him, get up, take your bedding and go home. Now, from what we can tell, this man's never taken a step in his life and now the very words of Jesus, he has his bedding under his arm and he's walking home completely healed. Now, now for most of us, we have no problem believing that story actually happened, right? Most of us in this room, or if you're watching online right now, you you believe that that the the, the miracles in the Bible happen. You're accepting that. We believe that John's account of the story is true. We actually uh, believe that God does miracles today. Most of us in this room do, but here's the challenge. We're not quite sure that he will do a miracle for us. We have no problem believing the Bible. We have no problem believing John's account. We have no problem believing the story. Most of us, I would say, we have no problem believing that God does miracles today. But we're not quite sure he'll do them for us. Well, I'm going to just bring a few things to your attention that I'm learning from this story this week. And as I studied and what we learn about Jesus as it relates to miracles. First of all, Jesus doesn't need the emotional and he doesn't need the sensational. He is the miracle worker. Now notice that when Jesus asks this man if he wants to be healed, he doesn't have the disciples carry him into the water. He doesn't tell the man to get into the water. He doesn't bring an angel um, around and go, hey, stir the water up one more time. He doesn't need a miraculous pool. This man doesn't need some sensational experience. He doesn't need to go to some revival somewhere and experience some emotional this or that. He is in the presence of Jesus and he is experiencing his power firsthand. Jesus is standing right in front of him. He's already in the presence of the one who spoke the world into existence. He is lying in front of the one who formed him in his mother's womb. Listen, when you come into this place on Sunday morning, And you are with all of these other, look around. You're with your friends, these other believers. You are in the presence of the same one who spoke the world into existence. You are in the presence of the one who was in the story. You are in the presence of the one who formed you in your mother's womb. And he has the ability in this room right now to do a miracle in your life. And our motto as a church should go back to the words of Jeremiah 29, 13, where Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God says, You'll, when, you, when you seek after me with, your, with, your, with all of your heart, you will find me. I'm not hiding, I'm right here with you. You are in my presence. The miracle worker, the promise keeper, the, the one who can shine light into your, the darkness of your, of your, of your life, he's, he's with you right now, he's in this room. Here's the second thing, in order to experience a miracle, sometimes you have to take a step of faith. Miracles are God's business, obedience is mine. Miracles are God's business, obedience is yours. I love this interaction between Jesus and this guy. Jesus just very simply says, asks him a question, he says, do you wanna be healed? But instead of saying yes, this guy tells Jesus all of the reasons why it can't happen. Have you ever done that before? Very simply, Jesus, you want to be healed? And we just sit there and go on with all of the reasons why in our own mind, it could just never happen. And the man says to Jesus, well, no one will put me in the pool. And when I try, when I actually can get into the pool, someone blocks my way, Jesus. And then notice that Jesus, he doesn't even engage this man's excuses. Instead, he just tells him, get up, grab your bedding and go home. Before Jesus was going to heal this man, what had to happen? This man had to to trust Jesus and take a step of faith, didn't he? He couldn't make any more excuses. Jesus said, get up, and the man got up. And for some of you here today, God's calling you to do the very same thing. Some of you are in a marital situation right now, and it just feels like all hope has been lost. You have emotionally checked out. And the step you need to take right now, and it's a tough one, is you need to humble yourself and maybe get into re-engage on Monday night or you just need to go to a counselor and say, I'm just going to give this one more shot because God is still a miracle worker. For some of you, you know, you you need a miracle with your health. health. But you are giving every excuse in the world that why you are not gonna go to a doctor, why you're not gonna take the right steps to get healthy. And, And maybe this morning, Jesus is saying, God's saying, take a step. I'm still the miracle worker, but you've got to take a step of faith. For some of you, you need a miracle with one of your children, but instead of doing what you know you need to do, which is for some of you may involve some tough love to see God do the miraculous. You may be making excuses and actually enabling the problem to get worse. And God's saying, listen, this is about your faith as much as it is about theirs. Watch what I can do. For some of you, you're having financial, you need a financial miracle, But the last thing that seems to make sense to you is to trust God and be generous. What makes sense to you is just to pull it all in. And God says, no, that's not how I work. Instead, I want you to put it all out there and to be generous and put it into my hands and watch what I can do because I'm still the miracle worker. I like what Mark Batterson says. He says, you can't expect God to do the supernatural if you aren't willing to do the natural. And here's the point. If you want to see the miraculous, sometimes you have to take a step of obedience. You have to trust God, you have to have faith and you have to ask, you have to do what he's asking you to do even if you don't want to. Even if everything inside of you is screaming, no, that doesn't make sense. And oftentimes faith, if it's not faith, it probably, listen, faith sometimes makes us nervous. Sometimes it stirs us up, it stirs us up inside. And God says, that's what faith does. Luke chapter one, verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said, with with, with man, this is impossible. Let's say it together. But with God, all things are possible. I love Ephesians 3.20. Paul writes, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that that is at work with inside of us. What does that mean? It just means simply God is able. God is able. Eugene Peterson says most miracles are the byproduct of a long obedience in the same direction. And for this guy, it was just a simple get up. And for some of you, God's just saying to you, get up. Get up. Trust me. Move forward. Take a step of obedience. Here's another thing if Jesus does a miracle in your life, there's always a bigger purpose involved. What's the purpose? It will always, always, always be about bringing God glory and drawing you closer to him, to deepen your faith, to put Jesus on display. Listen, every one of the miracles in the book of John, every one of the miracles in the Bible is about bringing glory to God and deepening the faith of the people involved in the miracle. Let me tell you what happens in the following verses because it's actually kind of humorous, all right? After Jesus heals the man, Jesus disappears into the crowd. And the Jewish people, who have, they've, they've watched this guy for 38 years. They know exactly who he is. He's a, he's a common guy around town. They know that he, this guy's not walked in 30, 38 years. He's been paralyzed. But instead of celebrating the fact that he's now been healed and he's walking around, they want to know why he's carrying his bedding around on the Sabbath day. Think about that for a moment. That's what they're thinking. The Jewish people of the day, they were all about keeping Old Testament laws. The law of the Sabbath said you couldn't do anything that remotely resembled work from about 6 o'clock p.m. on Friday all the way to 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday evening. And when the man then tells them that some man came along and healed him and told him to get up and to take his bed and to walk home, then they want to know, well, who in the world is healing on the Sabbath? These people have lost their mind. Can you imagine being so rigid and staunch in your ways that you cannot celebrate a true miracle of God? This neighbor of yours who has been paralyzed for 38 days is now walking around with his bed, go walking home. You want to know why he's doing it on the Sabbath. But this is what happens. This is what, this is what can happen when your wonder and awe of God turns into man-made religion. You can, you can become legalistic, you can become self-righteous, you can completely lose your focus, you can lose your tenderness towards the heart of God. And this is such a powerful picture of where the, the Jewish people were spiritually in this place in history. Matter of fact, if you go to Jerusalem today for a good, for a good part for, from, from Friday, Saturday, Friday at 6 o'clock p.m. till Saturday, 6 p.m., not a whole lot going on there. And unfortunately, this is why so many people don't see God do the miraculous even in their own lives. Their faith has turned into rule keeping or holding on to rituals or, or they put God in this tiny theological box that helps them make sense of him. You're not going to make sense of, of the God of the universe by putting him into a tiny little theo- theological box. But you're like, but he's safe as long as I have him in the box. He's not a God who wants to be safe. And you putting him into a box, that makes sense to you is never gonna allow you to see the God of the miraculous. Well, let's see how the story ends in verse 14. Jesus finds this man in the temple. And in verse 14, he says afterward, John says afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well. And then he says this, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Jesus reveals his purpose for healing this man. He healed this man to make him holy. Jesus said, sin no more, stop sinning. In other words, stop sinning. Jesus healed this man's body so that he could heal his soul. Now think about this for a minute. Here is this forgotten, helpless man who had been crippled for 38 years. Jesus walks into the pool of Bethesda where where there are scores of people who are blind, who are crippled, who have been paralyzed, and he walks directly to this one man, and he heals him. But there was a bigger picture, there was a bigger purpose behind his physical healing, this was all about this man's spiritual healing as well. And this man, this man did nothing to do. He did nothing to earn this gift. He wasn't better than anyone else laying by the pool. But for some reason, Jesus singled him out to do the miraculous in his life so that he could actually do something greater than just physically heal him. He wanted to heal him spiritually. And then he gives him this warning. He said, listen, don't turn, don't turn from me to a life of sin. Don't walk away from this moment and walk right back into your sinfulness. Listen, if God chooses to do a miracle in your life, it's always for a purpose. And that purpose will always involve drawing you closer to him, deepening your faith and bringing him glory. God doesn't do the miraculous in your life. Listen, to give you a personal platform, to make a name for yourself, to put bright lights on you. That will never be the purpose of his miracle. But he might give you a platform so he can use you to put a spotlight on Jesus to help draw people closer to him and to give God glory. But here's what you need to know. God will never waste your pain. He will never waste your hurt. He will never waste your suffering and he will never waste a miracle. And here's the other thing. Regardless of how long you've been waiting on a miracle, Jesus has not forgotten about you. There are no promises in God's word that says that God's gonna heal every person that is suffering or every person that's paralyzed or every person that's in pain while we're here on this earth. Jesus, think about this, Jesus walks into this pool area. He walks into an entire crowd of people with diseases and illnesses and he only heals one person. He actually leaves the pool area with tons of unhealed people behind him. And when you read that, you're like, that, that, that's kind of a, a tough pill to swallow, especially if you're here today and you're, maybe you're dealing with chronic pain or you're dealing with maybe some form of mental illness or some f- form of physical ailment. Could Jesus have healed all these people? Absolutely. Could he, could he heal everyone in the world right now that's suffering? Absolutely. But for whatever reason, he chooses not to. Even though Romans 8.23 says we groan to be released from pain and suffering in this lifetime. It won't be until we get to heaven that we'll be healed and be given new bodies. And listen, that's a tough reality to accept about God's sovereignty. It's especially tough if, if maybe you're a child or you have a child that is suffering or it's someone that you love deeply and you just watch them suffer all day long. However, even though I don't understand why God may choose to do a miracle here but he chooses not to do a miracle over here, I do know this. He is compassionate, he is loving, he is good, and he's not forgotten about anyone. He is with you just as much as he's with the person that he does the miracle for. Just as much. I'll tell you right now, I, I'm, I'm praying to the miracle worker to allow this church to see the greatest miracles that we've ever experienced in, 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 in our lifetime together. I can go through a list of all of the miracles that I've watched God do in the past 22 plus years of this church, but I'm praying right now that God will do this greatest work ahead of us. I mean, we, we, we are, our financial needs for this month of December right now and the gift offering that we're putting out in front of you is the greatest goal that we've ever put in front of our, 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 our staff, our church. You don't even know the total number, but it's huge. And I'm saying, God, Do a miracle. We met up with our elders yesterday morning. I said, guys, here's the total. We need to see God show up with the same thing last year. And God did an incredible miracle. And we're asking God to do the same thing in this month of December with this gift offering. Next week, we're gonna serve more people in this building for Hope for Christmas than we've ever served before. We still need workers. We still need host families, but we're asking God to do a miracle. We believe he'll do it. We're trusting that he will. We wanna, we wanna break ground in this, this, this facility out here for, for our children and young adults with, with, with special needs. We believe God's called us to do that. It's gonna take a miracle for that to happen, but we know that that miracle's gonna happen. We know it, we're trusting. We're gonna break ground regardless. You just saw a video about Guatemala. I committed to do that for that village before I ever told you about it. Why? Because we took a step of faith. Because I know how generous this church is you have proved it for over 22 years and I could not leave that village with, with that I stood right by watching that mom with that little boy knowing that she has to walk away from that house and go beg for water six times a day I could not leave there without committing to her that we would bring fresh water to that village I couldn't do it in the name of Jesus couldn't do it because I know how generous we are she needs a miracle and sometimes we're the miracle. We're the ones that God commissions to be the miracle. 30 miles from our front door, people have come from all over the world to the most diverse area in our entire world, the city of Clarkston. God's called us to be the miracle to those people, to bring Jesus to those people. We're gonna continue to plant churches in Boston, Detroit, here in Atlanta. Listen, the end of January, Paul and I are going back to Scotland. You realize this country is, is... one of the most lost nations in our world less than two percent of the people in that country actually know jesus this was used to be the country called the land of the book the bible miraculous things were coming out of this nation for years and years and today less than two percent know christ and for the first time maybe in history denomination leaders network leaders church leaders from all over this, all over the nation of scotland are coming together And going to talk about what would it be like for us to actually work together to plant churches. And we get a chance to be right in the middle of that. That's miraculous. And Westridge, I mean, this little church in Dallas, Georgia gets a chance to be part of that. But I'll tell you, there's personal things. There's personal things that are very personal to me that involve my family, that involve family members that I'm praying for today that will be miraculous if they happen. And listen, some of you are waiting on God to do a miracle in your life. Listen, our savior is still a miracle worker. He is still a promise keeper. He's not forgotten about you. When we sing that song, we're gonna sing it the next few weeks. When we sing that song, you can sing it with arms raised. You can sing it with full assurance. That what's in the Bible is true, what you see today is true, the stories we tell are true, but it's true for you as well. You say, how do you know that? How can you be so passionate about this? How do you know that God is still doing miracles? I've read about them in the book. I know what the book says about how God works in our lives today. But I've experienced them firsthand. But I've chosen to believe by faith that he's still a miracle worker. I, I believe it with all my heart. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 says, have you heard? Have you never heard? Have, have you never understood the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, who put their faith and the miracle worker will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Faint. That means that regardless of what you have been through today, Jesus is still a miracle worker. And the question for you today is, do you need a miracle? Do you need a miracle? If you do, what do you do? You come boldly before the throne of grace. You don't go out seeking emotion. You don't go out seeking the sensational. You just come into the presence of Jesus. You're here today. You're in his presence. If you feel like you've been forgotten, you just need to know, you need to trust that Jesus has not forgotten you. But you also need to know that sometimes in order to see the miraculous, you have to be obedient. You gotta get up. You gotta take a step. You gotta do what may feel uncomfortable to you right now. Last week, um, I didn't plan on sharing this story this morning, but I did in the first, so I'll share it in the second. Um, we were in the movie theater over in, in Ackworth, and uh, we were watching the Mr. Rogers, Rogers movie. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch Mr. Rogers growing up a whole lot because it was a little too slow for me, okay? I needed more action on the TV. Um, but... We, went, we just heard great things about this movie, so we went to see it. And the movie, so it's just all about forgiveness. Well, we're sitting in the theater. Amy's sitting next to me. My in-laws are sitting next to, to Amy. And um, in walks a family that left our church years ago. And um, it, was a, it, it was a very tough situation how they left. And I'll just leave it there. And when they sat down right in front of us, in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, how can I get out of this theater when the movie's over without having to engage this situation? Okay, now I'll be really honest with you. Most, most of situations like this in the past 22 years, I will go out of my way to seek reconciliation, even with former staff members. It's just, I just feel it's that important. But this situation really to me was hopeless. Okay, just hopeless. And here they are sitting right in front of me. And this is what I'm thinking. How do I get out of here? This is true confessions of a real pastor. I just want you to know that, all right? If you have another pastor in another church who's better than me, you should probably go there. But I'm telling you, I know most of them and they, this is what we talk about. But I, I started praying during the movie and I wanna tell you something, God started working on my heart and Mr. Rogers did a number on me. He really did. I can't tell you, this movie, it, I don't recommend movies all the time, but this is a good one. Um, and at the end of the movie, I just literally felt God just say, take a step. And so I just, the movie was over, lights came up, I stood up, and I called out their name, and I'm telling you something, it was like that. there was shock, and it was like God just brought healing for about 10 minutes. Healing. Yeah. But I'm telling you, I, that, if I, I thought the years passed, what if I saw them in a grocery store? What if I saw them there? What, it took that movie theater, it took that moment, it took, it, it took God and Mr. Rogers. And it, God set up a, it was, it, it was a miracle. I'm not kidding, it was a miracle. That's how God works. He can do that in your life today, whatever that looks like, whatever it is that's on your heart today. Would you bow your head for a moment? The greatest miracle that God does in anyone's life is when he takes a life and breathes life into death. For some of you here today, you remember back at that moment that you trusted Jesus to be your savior. for some of you, that moment is right now. Because Jesus came to bring reconciliation to the sin problem that exists between you and God. That's why he came, that's, why, that's the whole purpose of Christmas. It's not to celebrate a baby. It's to celebrate a man who lived his life here on earth and then went to a cross for our sins. And today you can know Jesus in a personal way. Sins can be forgiven. Your life can be changed. Death can be turned into life. That's the greatest miracle that's ever been performed. And today that can happen in your life. And if you need that, pray with me at this moment. Just say, Lord, at this very moment, I ask Jesus Christ to be my savior. I put all of my faith and trust in him. I can't earn salvation, I can't earn forgiveness. This reconciliation that has to take place between me and you is only possible because Jesus went to a cross and then came up out of the grave so that death could be conquered. Without this, Lord, I'm helpless and I'm hopeless. Hell is my future and I can't, that's not good. Jesus made it right and I put all of my faith and my trust in Jesus alone and I receive salvation into my life today by faith alone and I say yes to his offer of salvation. He's the son of God. If you just prayed that with me, look at me for a moment. I want you to get your phone out and I want you to text the word follow to 770 2125 We want to come alongside of you and just help you to take your next step in this most important decision you've ever made in your life. For well, the rest of you, look at me for a moment. I'm gonna do something. I didn't do this in the first service and I know we're a little bit over time, so I apologize to our children's ministry area. If you need a miracle in your life right now, I want you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to move beyond that. I just want you to stand. Whatever it is, you just need a miracle in your life. Only God can do this, you know it. Only God can do this, you need a miracle in your life. Come on up here, Paul. The rest of you who are in here, I want you to bow your head. I want you to reach out to these people. I want you to begin to pray for them. I want you to begin to pray for them. Paul, we're gonna, right now, just get on our knees. Let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, miracle worker. Paul and I come on our knees before you. Asking you to, to answer prayers. We come before you. And we petition that you will move in people's lives. You are the miracle worker. You're you're the God who still is able to look at at a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years and say, get up and walk. Lord, you do those things. And we're asking you today to do those kind of things in the lives of every person that's standing in this place. We are trusting you by faith that you still do those things, Father. And we commit to you that when it happens, that will put you on display, that Jesus will get all the glory, that God will be glorified, that the spotlight will go on Jesus. But Father, if you choose not to answer, we commit to you that you're still good. You still love us and you haven't forgotten one of us. Lord, I need some miracles in my own life. I know Paul needs some miracles in his life. I'm watching our our crowd. There's miracles that need to take place in here today. You are the way maker. You're the the, the miracle worker. They're the promise keeper. And we're praying that you would do miracles today. In Jesus' name we pray. And Westridge Church said together in agreement, amen. 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 Westridge, you are loved. You are loved more than you know.